Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Hydrocarbon History from Rare Petro. I'm Tavis Killian, and I'll be walking you through a bit of the modern birth of oil. Now, if you're listening to this rather than watching it on YouTube, I feel sorry for you, as you are missing out on a more entertaining experience. There is still time to pause the podcast and uh, search Rare Petro on YouTube to find this episode, but enough of that, it's time to jump right in. I got the idea for this episode while reading The Moral Case for Fossil Fuels by Alex Epstein. It's a great book that breaks down the most common arguments we hear from climate experts and media outlets against the use of fossil fuels. I highly recommend you pick up a copy, or do what I do, and listen to it on Audible as you commute, cook, or even just work out, go for a run, whatever. Pretty easy to put in and listen to. To open up one of his chapters, he mentions a question that he loves to ask people in lectures and debates. Is oil valuable? Well, go ahead and answer it for yourself. When I first heard this question, my answer was, well, duh. There's a global market for the stuff, and I make use of it every day. Alex Epstein, however, argues that oil is only valuable because of the way we learned how to use it. Before we found a case, it was just another natural resource that we would rarely see and didn't really have much use case for. So this episode will explore how oil became valuable in the modern context, along with how the industry was born. Let's jog it back a few million years to the time of prehistoric creatures. As time progressed, sea levels rose and fell quite dramatically. You can often see this in rock outcrops in very distinct layers. Whenever the sea rises or falls, it changes the depositional environment of a lot of these sedimentary systems, and that's how you can see those strange patterns that are indicative of different time periods. As this happens, plants and animals will often die and accumulate within specific areas. Here's a step-by-step -step guide to becoming a fossil fuel. Step 1. Die. That biomass is buried, and with enough tectonic activity or other forms of pure geological change, they are pushed further and further into the ground. From there, years and eons of pressure and heat refine the biomass into its very basic form, hydrocarbons. An unfortunate school of fish may have been transformed into some crude oil. A large swampy area of trees and algae may have been converted into natural gas. This is how the stuff got there, and if you think about it, it's technically a, a biofuel or a natural resource like the sun and the wind. So, we know how it got there, but where do humans come in, and where is value established? One of the earliest uses of oil actually dates back to 1539, where Venezuela exported a significant amount of oil to the Holy Roman Emperor Charles V to treat his gout. I imagine that it wasn't entirely successful. After that, the word petroleum, which is Latin for rock and oil, was first cited by German mineralogist George Bauer in 1556. This mid-1500 time period was about the time people were taking notice of this gooey black gunk. It wasn't until about 1755 that Lewis Evans made his map of the middle British colonies in America, which noted the presence of petroleum in what we now know as Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania is actually home to the Marcellus gas field even today, but back in the 1700s there was no fields, no pumps, or refineries. The land was natural and abound with oil seeps. An oil seep is a type of surface expression that you can see. What I mean by that is, there are natural migration paths that bring oil from deep underground all the way to the surface. You can find these on the coast of California, and even sometimes naturally occurring in the ocean floor. According to the National Ocean Service, natural oil seeps are responsible for almost half of the oil released into the ocean every year. Native Americans established themselves on super fertile farming lands in western Pennsylvania that were abound with these oil seeps, leaking crude oil into their waterways. The Seneca were familiar with these seeps, but eventually lost their footing, 
to the Iroquois, one of the most cultured and technologically advanced in the area. The Iroquois used oil for salves, tonics, mosquito repellent, and uh, medicine men of these tribes were probably the first oil drillers in America, as they believed these oil seeps were a gift from the heavens to be used for wellness. They may have been harvesting oil from waterways as early as 1410 using a primitive skimming technique. This continued until white settlers began to push them from their lands in the 1700s as they were in search of rich farmlands, but not the oil. Fast forward to the early 1800s, and humans are beginning to realize the potential of using oil. The Seneca Oil Company, a name actually inspired by that Native American tribe I just mentioned, had been around for some time now and was peddling oil as a cure-all tonic to New World settlers. Now, I'm just trying to cover my own butt by saying this, but do not ingest any type of petroleum product. I don't care that people used to do it back in the day to heal themselves. I mean, people also used to drain large amounts of blood from their arms to cure disease, so don't consume oil. We've learned since then. It wasn't until 1821 that we saw the first commercial use of natural gas in the United States. A gunsmith named William Hart drilled a whopping 17-foot hole in some shallow shale, which produced natural gas that was collected and transported to local stores and buildings for lighting and cooking purposes. Still, this was a very small case use and only benefited a handful of people. We really haven't established any significant value for a large number of people using petroleum products. But less than 30 years later, a Canadian geologist named Abraham Gessner developed a new lamp fuel from petroleum named kerosene. It was a cheaper, cleaner, and much less smellier version of whale oil, and is largely credited as the reason whales survived. If you'd like to learn more about that, check out episode 3 of Hydrocarbon History, which I'll link right there. That examines the importance of whales as a fuel source from then until now. So at this point, there was a cheap source of heating and light, and this, ladies and gentlemen, is what I believe to be the first widespread establishment of value for oil. It is no longer just a few hundred or thousand people drinking it or slathering it on their bodies in a futile attempt to cure disease, but now it is a product that allows people to bring light into their homes in the evening, which is a luxury at the time. The search for oil was on, but it was easiest to harvest it from shallow pools and surface expressions, much like the Native Americans had been doing for centuries now. The Seneca Oil Company began harvesting the crude from an oil spring in Titusville, Pennsylvania, after it split from the Pennsylvania Rock Oil Company due to disagreements between shareholders and the founders George Bissell and Jonathan Eveleth in 1858. Now, there was a man named Edwin Drake that saw the vision that both Bissell and Eveleth held for the future of oil and bought stock in their company, the new Seneca Oil Company. Mr. Drake happened to be staying in the same hotel as the other two men, and they were able to come to an agreement. Drake would be paid $1,000 a year to investigate the seeps on land owned by Seneca Oil since he had his free use of the rail thanks to his years of working for the rail company. The president of Seneca Oil, James Townsend, gave Drake the title of a colonel in order to impress the locals despite his lack of military experience and sent him on his way. Drake pulled up to his well in Oil Creek and began drilling with a steam engine, but progress was slow and there were about 30 feet of loose gravel to pierce. At 16 feet, the hole collapsed and Drake's crew was beginning to despair, although he was ready to push through, and push through he did. He devised the idea of using a drive pipe, or a pipe that could be pushed into the ground first, to protect the bit as it drilled through and keep the walls from collapsing inward again. This is actually what inspired techniques that we still use today. I mean, modern casing has the same idea. You want to protect the bit, keep the hole from caving in, and 
Drake figured it out way back then. The crew began to drive 10-foot joints of pipe into the well that would shield the bit from the gravel. Finally, at 32 feet, the crew reached bedrock, but it was difficult getting tools and steam to this depth, which meant that the crew was only able to drill about 3 feet per day. To put that into perspective, some companies find it easy to drill 600 feet in a day in modern times. The well at this point had been nicknamed Drake's Folly, as people poked fun at the colonel for essentially bashing his head into a stone floor for no reason. Crowds would gather to make fun of the man, but Drake knew that oil had a reason to be valuable as kerosene, so he pushed on. Soon, his funds were exhausted from the Seneca Oil Company and his pay that they also gave him as well, and he decided to take a $500 personal loan to keep the operation going. On August 27, 1859, the men hit a crevice at 69 feet, which lodged the bit, and they decided to call it for the day. The next morning, Drake's driller, Billy Smith, or as he was more commonly known, though most folks just call me Uncle Billy, discovered oil was accumulating in the bottom of the well, so they used a hand pump to bring it to the surface where it would be stored in a bathtub. Drake's Folly was now producing 25 barrels a day, and by 1872, the entire creek area was producing 15.9 thousand barrels of oil per day. Drake later went on to lose all of his money in other business ventures as he wasn't very talented at that, but the state afforded this crazy old man an annuity of $1,500 as thanks for establishing such a profitable industry in their area. From there, you probably know the story. Oil was now valuable, and humans began to discover methods for extracting more oil and ways to refine the oil into other useful products. I can drive a car full of gasoline in my synthetic clothes to my office powered by electricity, all thanks to a man who is too determined to accept defeat. Of course, today we realize that oil has value, but back then, even the president of what would become a profitable oil company cut Drake's paycheck because they thought he was being a fool. Give thanks to the historical figures that established the luxuries that we enjoy today, because without it, life would look a whole lot worse. But that is the end of this episode. As always, I will link all of my sources in the description below, whether you're watching on YouTube or just listening to the podcast through SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever, along with a link to a fantastic documentary from the API that they made in the 50s. If you think I've missed something or that I'm presenting a false narrative, please reach out to me directly at podcast at rarepetro.com. Otherwise, you can always leave a review and subscribe to hear more information-packed, short-form content from the Rare Petro Media team. This has been Tavis Killian with Rare Petro, and until we see you next time, take care, everybody.